Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Sons of Sequoia podcast, broadcasting live from Wheat Ridge, Colorado, the home of the champions. It is Monday, May 24th, and today we are going to discuss a short film that was released by the New York Times Opdocs entitled Walk, Run, Cha-Cha. How are you this morning? I'm doing I'm doing quite well this morning and a beautiful morning in Denver, Colorado. And um, how are you doing this morning, David? I'm doing just fine. Uh, we watched this movie last night. We sort of plowed through most of the 2020 nominees for Best Documentary Short. So now we've moved back to 2019. And uh, do you want to explain why we chose this one over the others? Well, a lot of the others seem pretty depressing. And uh, um, we just wanted something a little bit more uplifting. And it was. I, I found this uh, to be a very lovely, uh, very heartwarming, uh, a very interesting short film yes i enjoyed it i mean i enjoyed it more than i thought i would and i think all those things you said about it are true um if you want to chit chat about it for a second i'll pull up the trailer sound good sure uh i guess yeah the trailer will will explain it more detail but uh it's uh, these uh two uh couple uh married couple from vietnam uh he had he was forced to come over in 79 to america and uh, she had to leave her behind, and uh, they were separated, and it was very difficult. And finally, when she did, finally when he got her over, uh, he, they had to be reacquainted and get to know each other and in a new world. And the way they did that is through dancing. And it was it's it was very it was a very uh, again heartwarming uh, short film on how he did that and how they did that how they they, they came together how dancing brought them together. Yes. And there's a lot more take there's a lot more takeaways than that though that, that we're gonna get into. Mm-hmm. Um so shall we watch the trailer? I'm ready. Okay. And I just want to point out the trailer is here, but the actual film itself is available on YouTube to watch. And that's one thing that I love about these documentary shorts. A lot of them have a good message, a good story, but they're also easily accessible to anyone. So you don't even need to belong to a streaming service. You'll be able to access this particular documentary short for free on YouTube. And I think that's a good thing. I like the fact that these films that tell a story that deserves to be heard are readily available to people. So, but... That's enough blathering from me. Let's watch the trailer. Let me just share the sound so you can hear it. Okay. And here we go. Before I learned dancing, you know, I can only use my body to walk, to swim, to run. Today, I can use my body to reach another level of freedom. I wish I could have danced earlier at my age, but better late than never. We're lucky to have an opportunity and the right time, maybe the last time. There it is. Very simple. Very simple. Uh, 
And the more I thought about that and the more I saw the 20 minutes, just 20 minutes of this short film, it really got my mind to thinking about life and about beauty and about uh, these these two people. Uh, like they said, a new a new freedom. Mm-hmm. And they and and the way they described it, it just got me to thinking a lot. Uh, and it's interesting. We talked a lot about it, David. Like, uh, why would anyone make a film about two people dancing? You know. Well, uh, I mean, it's not like they're elite. And this is the interesting thing to me. This is what I liked about the movie. The the like you pointed this out to me. The fact that they're not elite is the whole reason why the movie works. So they talk about how we love dancing. We danced in Vietnam, and dancing was banned in Vietnam by the communist government. But he would have dance parties, and he'd invite me over. I was his girlfriend. Then he had to go, and we were separated for six years. He left in 79. She didn't actually get citizenship till 91. But apparently they didn't see each other for six full years. Um, and when they got back together, they rekindled their love, and they rekindled their love for dance. But early on, she talks about how they go three hours a night, four nights a week. That's a lot mm-hmm. of time spent. And they have private instructors, and they take group lessons, and they'll go to the dance, the ballroom, and they'll practice. And so you sort of expect yep. them to be good. Mm-hmm. And bring our pictures up again. Yeah. Yeah. I That's mean, true. you can't see. I uh, the the broadcast can see our pictures. It's just sometimes okay. I forget. But uh, it's okay. Um. So yeah, so they're but then they you see them dance, and they're not that good. And like you said, they don't have to be good for the world; they're good for each other. And when they dance, it's the most beautiful thing in the world for each other. That was the what the point that you made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's true, and that's sort of what the story is about. But you don't like you like you said mentioned why are they making this movie? I thought oh they're going to be insanely good. And then you see them, and it's like they're just everyday people dancing, and you wonder why did they choose these people? You know, their story isn't like insane; it won't blow your mind. It's not particularly compelling, but the fact that it's so real makes it so interesting. And I don't, I don't know. It's not compelling on the surface. It's not like. Like you said, David, they they uh, didn't become world-renowned dancers that can beat everybody at any competition, and that's not the point of the story. And and on the surface, it's not compelling. But when you go beneath the surface, on what happened and how they finally were separated for so long, and uh, they they dance was something that kept them together. And uh, and when they danced, it was uh, like I mentioned, uh, it didn't say this, but in my mind, I'm thinking they are the most beautiful dancers in the world to them mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's theirs, you know, and it doesn't matter how good you are. It matters how well uh, you how much you do it and how 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 important it is to you. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I think it was a very good message. Uh, but then what again? Uh, you've mentioned many times where you stand is depend on where you sit. But how come they made this movie? I yeah. mean, what were they? What were they? What story were they trying to tell? 
were they trying to tell the deeper meanings of of uh, be yourself uh, or tenacity or uh, two people loved each other, came together or the importance of dance or, you know, what what was the actual motivation for the movie? I It's a very good question to, to me. Mm-hmm. It's it's fascinating to me, too. It's. Um... And it's not like they were people. They were they were normal people. Uh, she was an auditor for the state of California. He was an engineer, and so they held regular everyday jobs, and they just had a hobby. And that hobby was, as a couple, they would go ballroom dancing and they would take lessons and they would do competitions. And then at the end, and a part of it is also, they lost all these years, and so perhaps dancing was sort of making up for the years they lost. And they say that, like, maybe we dance so much to make up for the years we lost. But then when they finally dance at the end, they dance to We've Only Just Begun, which I thought was kind of funny. I thought, I thought, it, was, uh, I thought it was a message that they were, that the uh, short film was giving, like, you can start any time in your life. Your life is never over. Mm-hmm. You can start anything at any age, and you can start anything at any age with anybody. And I, I think there's a lot of good messages. Yeah, a lot of good messages there. Be yourself. Uh, create beauty that's yours. Uh, don't try to judge yourself by other people. Uh, you can start uh, creating beauty even today, no matter where you are, no matter what your past is. No matter what your future you think it is, start today. Mm-hmm. Start today. It, it was good. It was that was that was a really good ending, uh, and maybe that is what uh, the uh, directors and producers were trying to convey. And I know the director. There's some videos on YouTube I saw while I was putting together the thumbnail and stuff of the director talking about the film, and I would be mm-hmm. interested to hear it just because I don't know how this got chosen. It's truly a slice of life, you know? It could have been anyone. And the message is great. It's, you know, you don't have to be world class. If you love something, do it, you know? And he's like, my body, I used to only be for this. Now it's for dancing, too. Well, you watch the guy, and he's not like Barishnikov. You know, his movements won't bring you to tears. But while he's doing it, he himself experiences something that's very meaningful to himself. And perhaps it doesn't matter what out people outside see. It's... I don't know. It's fascinating. It's a fascinating message that the the movie sort of has. Yes, it's like art. Really, uh, what, what's that saying? Art is in the eye of the beholder, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but art is not so much in the proficiency of things being done. It's in the emotion that is there, and it's the human connection that is there, and that can be at different levels. It can be one to many. It could be just just him and her together, and that's just as much art as anything. And and actually, that's probably what uh, uh, makes life worth living, is creating beauty like that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think we've basically covered the movie, and we're only fifteen minutes into the podcast. Maybe we'll have a that's short a, episode today. We'll have a short episode today because. Uh, actually, I would like to encourage people to to start watching these short these short films, and think about them. Uh, you know, we always say uh, uh, keep on talking and listen more than you talk and understand what the other people are saying. We always say that, uh, 
But listening to what other people are saying is more than just individuals talking or people writing articles or, uh, but sometimes it's these short films because you can say things in different ways. And the question is, what were, what were these people trying to say with this short film? Yes, let me you know, pull what, up. What? I just want to pull up uh, real quick. Best documentary short subject, just to get to 2019. Learning to skateboard in a war zone if you're a girl. I think that's about Syrian girls skateboarding. That's what won. That one's not available online. Um, but let's look at the ones we didn't. Let's look at the ones we didn't uh, watch. In the absence is a South Korean short film about a boat that sinks and three hundred people, mostly school children, die. Life overtakes me. That one's also available online. It's about a rare psychiatric condition that Sweden, that refugees to Sweden get called resignation sy syndrome, where they sort mm. of withdraw, where these children withdraw into a coma-like state because they don't know what's going to happen in their lives. And then St. Louis Superman sounded cool, but that one's not available on any streaming service. Uh, he's about an activist, battle rapper, and for former politician. So... The out of the three that were available, which is in the absence where a bunch of kids die, life overtakes me where a bunch of kids become so <laughs> depressed that they go into a coma, or walk, run, cha cha, where a bunch of later middle aged people sort of rekindle their love and sort of pursue their passion for dance, despite the fact that they're just solely amateur. Which one sounds more uplifting? Like, which one do you want to watch before you go to bed? Uh, that's right. That's right. Bad things happening to children or good things happening to late middle-aged people. I, I like the idea of the good things happening to late middle-aged people. It's just um, now we might we may watch the other two and discuss them because they do sound like they have a message. And uh -huh. but they sound more difficult, if that makes sense. Well, well, that actually that was very revealing. Like you had those what five mm -hmm. and uh, they had different messages, you know. I think the messages of walk, walk, run, cha-cha is an uplifting, powerful message of, of human connection and and uh, dance. Uh, and the others, they have a different message. Mm -hmm. uh, they're a very different message of, of sadness, uh, that there is sadness. There is sadness in the world. That's the reality of it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think if I made a short film, if, if it won, then it would be behind some kind of a firewall of payment or something. I would hope I didn't win. Because if I made one, I would want everyone to watch it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I would rather it didn't win so people could watch what I did. But, uh, but let's say that you it. put, you know, half a million dollars of your own money into the production and you wanted to recoup those costs. That's you know? true, too. That's true, too, David. Yep. Um, I mean, it's tough. The, the economics of this sort of corner of the entertainment industry, it's not like Marvel. Like, oh, we're going to spend $100 million and get back 150 it's when you're looking at sums for these movies, I'm sure the budgets are a million or less, you know, but that's real people's money. Like, yeah. it's really $250,000 that went into making some of these movies. And that's why I think you see a lot of these, they have a network or organization backing them. Walk, Run, Cha-Cha had New York Times. St. Louis Superman has MTV. 
Life Overtakes Me, I believe, is Netflix. And in the absence is Field of Vision, which is Laura Poitras' company, which is the same company that did uh, Do Not Split. Uh-huh. So, so they all have sort of a co- company backing them to make these um, documentaries. And I think that I, I don't blame them. I don't blame the learning to skateboard in a war zone if you're a girl for trying to monetize. Say, you know, you can you can watch this for 10 bucks because they put in the work. They made this thing and they won this award. And I mean, it does have value. We think of everything should be free. And I think that it's awesome that these messages can be free, but I understand why they're not free when they're not. I agree. I I I, I totally agree. Uh, so it, that makes perfect sense. But if they're free, then everyone they can watch them, and everyone can watch them more they normally wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I think you would you would get a bigger audience. Uh, but then they have to recoup their money. Uh, that makes sense too. Mm-hmm. And it's the ones that have a network or, well, the one that won this year, Colette, that had a uh, gaming company and Facebook behind it. Mm-hmm. So Oculus, well, Oculus is Facebook. Facebook owns Oculus. So it's like there's a huge corporation behind it that uh, that makes it financially viable to make this stuff. And I think that that's cool. That at least corporations on some level are spending money to put this stuff out into a world, into the world. That, that's right. That is admirable because, uh, like Colette, that message need, needed it was good to get out there, and even Walk Run Cha Cha. This one, I think it's important to get that message out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, Colette was a remarkable person, and that story was remarkable, and this was unremarkable. But that's sort of some of the charm of it. That's right. Very charming. And it was not as remarkable, but the remarkableness of it uh, was not in uh, was in the simplicity and warmth of two people that separated and came back together. And how is how many times is that story just repeated? Mm-hmm. How many how many times is that that story should be repeated over and over and over again? And no matter how old you are. Uh, you just say, uh, we've only just begun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it's, so now that's a message also that needs to be, that needs to be, uh, emphasized and, and carried forward. Yeah. And that's, um, I, I really, I, when I start, first saw it, when I first started watching it, I expected a different kind of movie, but toward the middle and toward the end, I began to realize what it was going to be. And it really got me to thinking about, uh, there's there's a deeper meaning to this to this. It's not like a typical uh, film. Yes, you know we have beginning, middle, end, and all of a sudden everyone gets together, and all of a sudden it's fantastic and it's the best the best dancers in the world. It's not like that, uh, but it's much more uh, founded in reality, and also the fabric of a a civilized successful society. That should be good. That should be repeated multiple times within a society. Yeah, it's interesting to me, too, because one of the things that I ended up liking about it was that it didn't really tug on your heartstrings all that much. There weren't these moments where it was just trying to manipulate you emotionally. The 
the documentary nature, sort of cinema verite, like the real life fly on the wall type thing. Um, you see these people and they're just normal people. And then you watch them dance and you watch them with their dance teacher. The dance teacher's like, no, you're doing that wrong. No, you're doing that wrong. No, you're doing that wrong. And like the dance teacher has a lot of instruction to impart, despite the fact that they do this all the time. I mean, they're putting in the time because they love it, not because they're going to be professional dancers. And, right. and then you're like, well, what's going to happen at the end? And what happens is the director rented out, a, or I don't know, the production company rented out a soundstage that's extraordinarily well lit. And they do their whole dance routine and they film it professionally. And that's the end of the movie. And it's like, that's cool because it's, it won't leave you with tears in your eyes, but it's, it's beautiful in its own way. They did it. Mm-hmm. They went. They went the distance, and they performed for us. Yes. And yeah, and they performed for the world in a movie that was nominated for an Academy Award. They could say, "Yeah, we got nominated for an Academy Award. They made a movie about us, and one quarter of the movie is us dancing." Uh, that's that's pretty cool when you think of it. Who else can say that? What other dancers can say that? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Hardly any. Yeah. Well, I, I, as I say, halfway through and even the end of it, when they danced, uh, I thought that that was really, really cool, really cool. And it, what I enjoyed at the end was not I enjoyed watching their dance. But it wasn't like a Barishnikov. What I enjoyed is watching them enjoying their dance together. Mm-hmm. Watching them enjoying each other, watching them enjoying their dance. That that was the, the beauty of, of the dance. And that's sort of what it's for on some level, right? It's a, yeah, it's like, for your partner. And also it's what it's for in 99% of ballroom dancing situations. You know, I think that it's as much of an intimate thing between two people it's not something that, like, because we're sort of conditioned. You have, uh, what's the show with the celebrities and the dancing? Dancing with the Stars. Dancing with the Stars, yeah. So that's where we see ballroom dancing in popular culture. And they have a professional dancer that sort of carries along the star. And they dance, and then they judge them. You get a seven. You get an eight. You get a nine. And this was just... Well, these people are dancing because they love each other, and that's like one way they express their love for each other, and they have passion for this. And it's not designed for you to sort of sit there as an audience member and be like, six. <laughs> you know, you don't, like, as, assigning a score to it sort of really cheapens what they're really doing, which is something that's between them. And when you think about ballroom dancing, it shouldn't be a competition. It should be between you and your partner out there on the dance floor, sort of forming a meaningful connection through the, the power of dance. That's, that should be why you do it. And so it sort of shuns the societal uh, impulse we have to judge dance as this is good, this is a five, this is a seven, this is a 10, and sort of shows you this is what dance is actually for. That's and, right. and that's kind of a cool lesson. And I think that's one of the lessons. I don't know if they meant to make that lesson, but that's that was pretty much the takeaway that I had toward the end. I went into it with one expectation. I left with a different expectation, mm-hmm. with a different with a different feeling and knowledge, and and motivation. 
it was very motivating. Like, yeah, let's just uh, be ourselves. Don't try to be something. Uh, uh, don't try to be better than anyone else at something. Be good with what you have. Mm-hmm. Be the best with what you have. And that's success. Yeah. And I think, I mean, between a couple, if you find a mutual state of understanding and joy doing something, it doesn't matter what it is. You could, as a couple, love doing jigsaw puzzles. And every night you put on some music and you pour a glass of wine and you sit there with your wife or husband and you do jigsaw puzzles. And you can be the worst jigsaw puzzle doer in the world. It can take you six months to do a 500-piece jigsaw puzzle. It should take you four hours. But as long as you enjoy it, it doesn't really matter, right? That's right. doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, because that, that, yeah, that's the takeaway. And if what if the world did that? What if the world just didn't try to outdo each other, but they just become, became themselves? Mm-hmm. Uh, what a wonderful world this would be kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be really nice. That, uh, but when you when you uh, unfortunately uh, because it it takes you away from uh, judging yourself uh, relative to others, you know, because then uh, the human nature kicks in. Uh, you have the uh, one way for you to stand out is to tear down other people, and and people will start doing that. And so, no, don't think about other people. You just be the best you you can be, mm-hmm. and uh, and you define success that way. And I like that it's I mean that subversion of your natural impulse to say these people aren't that good. It's like that's not the point. The point is not for them to be good. The point is that they love what they're doing. The point is that they love each other. The point is that this is a way that they connected back in Vietnam. They were apart, and now that they're together, they do this like crazy, and they still love it after all these years. And. That's the point. That's what you should be taking away. And unlike the other ones where it's like, oh, 300 children died or these people are so depressed they <laughs> lapse into a coma. It's like these people, they got separated for 10 years of their lives. And when they came back together, what did they do? The thing that brought them together in the first place. And they do it right. like gangbusters and they love it. And they're they're both fully on board with it, you know. And that's there's some beauty in that story. Uh, it de- and it's a story that deserves to be told, even though it's so mundane. These are normal people. They're, they're ordinary people. And they're ordinary people in their lives. They're ordinary people with their creativity. Like, their creative output isn't elite. It's just what a normal person would do if you studied dancing. Yeah, but it and, was theirs. But it was theirs, and that's what's important. Yeah. And I think, I think both Paul, I think both Paul and... I think they both said uh, that they really appreciate the freedom in this country to do that because mm-hmm. they were not allowed to do that in, in communist Vietnam. Paul and uh, Millie. Paul, Paul and Millie. Wow. Yeah. And so that they both are really, I think she, Millie was saying she appreciates the, uh, the freedom. And so did Paul, mm-hmm. uh, the, the freedom in the United States where they could do that and even have lessons and, and be as good as they can be, and uh, and actually that's a lesson unto itself. That uh, when you have the freedom to do to do that, uh, then you're gonna you're gonna create uh, a society that's gonna be really positive and just a, a wonderful place to live. A civilized, a civilized, wonderful, 
Uh, and some people don't dance. Some people don't dance. Mm -hmm. They go, oh, that's silly. That's silly for you, not for them. Uh, don't say it's silly because you don't dance. Say, oh, they dance. That's theirs. What is yours? Mm -hmm. You find what yours is. You find what your artistic output or your connection to the world is. And then do it. Uh, but don't do it to where you're trying to be better than anyone else. You do it to be the best you can you can and enjoy it for yourself. Yeah, and it's fascinating to me because now it's sort of coming full circle, just sort of thinking about this. If you're an incredible musician and you write a hit song, you may have a million other ideas, but you have to play that hit song the rest of your life because that's your, your bread maker. And you may resent the fact that you wrote that hit song, that your talent allowed you to do something that you become defined by. And you can't grow and you can't, um, you know, explore yourself because p the expectations are upon you to play that hit song. You know, Billy Joel has to play Piano Man. And he's like, I don't want to play Piano Man anymore. I've been playing it since 1977. Um, and... And it's fascinating when you're doing something just for yourself, those expectations aren't there. And you can grow and you can experiment and you can do whatever you want. And the art actually becomes more pure because it's not tainted by the approval of others. It's simply an expression of yourself. That's right. And that's what art is. Art is an expression of yourself and... I think I think that's in everyone. I think everyone should start seeking that. Mm -hmm. And they, they should start in schools when they're young. And uh, the thing about a child drawing something, you don't even know what it is, you know, and you go, tell me about it. And they go, oh, it's this and this and this. Oh, well, that's really cool. You never know where it's going to go and, mm -hmm. and who that, what's going to, and it may go nowhere, but the point is it's theirs. And they did it. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I think we've covered it. Should we just do a very short episode today? Yep, I'm ready. Yep, that's okay. good. Uh, actually, I th actually, but it's short. But I think the things that we've said needed to be say, said. Yeah. And, and I uh, encourage everyone, There's uh, if you go to YouTube.com, you look up Walk, Run, Cha Cha, you'll find the full movie. I could leave the link in the description, but I'm too lazy. So find it yourself. You know how to use a search engine. Uh, walk, I'm gonna walk, walk, Run, Cha Cha. Uh, I'm going to play the outro music, and I'll let you close the episode. Okay, Sons of Sequoia, we're here because we want to keep on talking, but urge everyone to listen more than you talk and try to understand what the other person is saying. <laughs>